was that? I don't know. I have no idea what we just watched. Oh my um, god. I'm welcome to the Cinderella podcast, where we've made the decision to watch and review every Cinderella adaptation we can get our hands on, discussing the same story over and over until we go insane right now, right now, live on podcast. We go insane. You I'm Liv. the point. It only took four times. Yeah, four. We're good. I'm Liv. <laughs> and I'm Talon. And today we watched, I'm going to butcher the French, Cendrillon? Cendrillon. Yeah. 1899 by Georges Millier. Uh, and we are calling this the silent film TikTok Cinderella. It does have a very TikTok vibe. Before we get into the setting, I did a deep dive into Wikipedia on this film. Me too. What did you find? Oh my god. Uh, well, first of all, let's just start with the creator. So I mentioned that it's George Millier, and he's one of the first like early silent film filmmakers. And you might have seen his um, Trip to the Moon, which is the one that has that amazing black and white shot of the moon and it's got a dude's face in it and like the telescope is stuck into its eye so that's that guy yes Liv what did you find well what I found about George Millier is that he made over 520 films very prolific man and that he was the first person to really understand the concept of film and that it could be used as a narrative media. So he's the first person to do storytelling over movies, which is what we, I don't even want to say watch, I want to say experienced. It's what we experienced. Yeah. I'm not convinced that it was storytelling through movies. I think it was just beamed into my brain from 120 years ago, just straight. I would like to have an argument against that and I'm I'm troubled that I don't have one. This film also, by the way, is the first, as far as I can tell, the first use of the fade transition between scenes. So that had never happened before. The it whole like- must have blown people's minds to it, have one scene dissolve and go into another. And I think dissolve happened literally in this case. Yes, I think- the film. Yes. So first of all, this movie was five minutes and 34 seconds long. I happened to have to watch it at a quarter speed. Liv was brave and watched it at half speed. So what happened was we, the way we do this is we watch them together and then we immediately record. So we watch this together and at some point we will reenact what our notes said we as we sat into up. one another. And then we just gave up and had to watch it separately so that we could pause it and both just stream of conscious respond to what should have been fairly sane. I'm, I'm struggling with what made it so bizarre because we watched Wispy Russian Cinderella that's definitely a Dracula crossover, and we watched Crazy Betty Boop um, Labyrinth Cinderella, and somehow this messed with my sense of reality more. In case, in case you all haven't figured it out, this is a really weird one. It's a really, really weird one, and we're having trouble processing it because even though it's only like five and a half minutes, 
things just happen very quickly. Again, and they're hence, all and they're all weird. Yeah, again, hence the TikTok vibe. Stuff just happens, just boom, boom, boom. You gotta you gotta tell the story fast. Okay, so let me tell you about Cinderella. Please do, Tala. Uh, <laughs> Please tell us about Cinderella. <laughs> so we start in the home of Cinderella, and she's there. She is wearing a really long skirt with patches, and this is kind of neat. Her hair is loose and down. And that's all we get of processing who Cinderella is because her stepmother is there, and it looks like she might be begging her stepmother to for something. We don't know. I'm not going to put anything in there that's not in there. She she's looks like she's begging. She's definitely kneeling and begging her stepmother for something. The stepmother just flounces out the door. Yeah. And then immediately, Cinderella looks sad, and right away the fairy godmother appears. So, like, keep up, everyone. We're going Hold fast. Hold up. That is so not what happened. Really? So, there is a big cauldron there's a cauldron oh my god i forgot the cauldron in the background you forgot the guys you have to understand this movie was five minutes and 34 seconds long and i don't know if we're gonna have enough time to finish talking about my it. notes are like six pages long there was a cauldron in the fireplace there's a cauldron in the fireplace with fire under it it is very clearly drawn on by the way the backdrops of this were inspired by gustave Doré, which is fascinating to me. Um, Tell us about that. The works of uh, Dore that I am most familiar with is the painting of Andromeda with where she's chained to the rock and there's a sea monster coming to get her. But he did a lot of prints and etchings, which the one that I think that most people will be familiar with is uh, Jacob Wrestles the Angel or Jacob Wrestling Gabriel. And it is the meme-tastic and the angel said unto him, stop hitting yourself, stop hitting yourself. But he could not, for the angel <laughs> held his hand. It's that, he did that. So his etchings look like that. And the way that this film is set up is to sort of mirror the illustrations, but also physically, they're, I think they were even referred to as tableaus. So they're not scenes the way we think of scenes in a movie. They're like, steady camera shots at one background and people kind of stand in front of it. It feels like the setting that you have at old home movies where your dad has a tripod and just sets it up and gets a good shot and isn't going to move it and so everybody has to open their presents where the tripod is pointing because that's how we're doing Christmas this year god damn it. Yep. 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 So Anyways, back to the cauldron. So the cauldron is drawn or made of cardboard or some such material. The cauldron and the fire vanish. They become colorized for an instant. Oh, I have to tell you. So the way that they colorize these is that they paint it directly onto the film. So if you wanted some, like the cauldron to be red, that means you have to go through the film and like individually color every time the cauldron appears, it's like taking a marker to a transparency. Oh um, and I think that's why we only get like 30 seconds of this in color because it's... they tried it and they were like, this is too much work. We're never doing it again because it's the only part of a scene, like the only fragment that's colorized. Yes. So the cauldron vanishes, the fire vanishes. and the Oh fairy my God, God, we're still on the cauldron. <laughs> 
you hush. Where this was a challenge. I'm so sorry. Please the fairy continue. godmother appears. The fairy godmother appears in place of the cauldron and fire. I like to think that she transmogrified from them, which brings us the second fairy godmother to appear from fire. I think Ooh. I'm going to start keeping track of that as well. Interesting. So she so, appears. She is wearing this crown headband situation. It's like the evil crown that Ursula wore in The Little Mermaid. So my notes have her as very Grecian pre-Raphaelite. She has yes. this sort of loosely upswept hair. She's wearing a dark red gown that has no. red. Briefly painted, briefly dark, painted red. dark red gown with darker bra areas. And it looks very Grecian. It looks very flowy and pre-Raphaelite. It looks very stately, very Athena. I... It looks very Athena. See, I got more of like a gauzy, floozy Aphrodite kind of thing. Because she's wearing, it's very strappy. It is. Her shoulders are all out there at the turn of the century. Yeah, but she's in a power pose. She's. Oh, yeah. She's yeah, yeah, in yeah. a power. Hence, I, I got more of a warrior vibe from her. Anyways, so she's holding this staff. staff. And at the it's end a... of the staff is a star. Yes. And she comes over to Cinderella and kind of pats her on the shoulder and then points. And she's pointing at the corner. And Liv, do you want to take it from? I do. I do. I yeah, would like to take, take it from here. Take this away from me. So a critter crawls in. It's about the size of a cat, a big cat, maybe a Maine Coon or something. Yeah. I believe that it is supposed to be a mouse or a rat. It represents the rat. It represents the rat because it turns into the coachman. Yes. Yes. So we, we have had to deduce this, dear listeners. It's not clear. So the cat-sized rat crawls to the middle of the room. Becomes a bigger rat. Becomes a, a pony-sized rat. Um, the way that this is done, and this is just purely me like guessing, is because the rats are shown at the very, very bottom of the screen with the edge of the screen being like the plane at which they're walking. I believe that they held either paper cutouts or toy mice right in front of the camera lens all the way at the bottom and yeah. then switched it out for a, a different one. Um, and that different one does appear in perspective to be roughly pony sized. Yes, I would agree. That would make sense as to how they did that. It then just becomes a person. Well, it becomes a crouching person who then uncrouches and stands up, which makes the thought that he was previously a rat, like, feel very visceral to me. Yes, it, it was a visceral moment. He's wearing a beautiful green coat. His coat is also green and teal for the moment. This is the last thing that will be in color. Two more mice come through and become um, sized mice. The fairy godmother gestures with her staff and two mice appear. And then they turn into two footmen in much the same process. But my question to the universe in general is, why did the fairy godmother have to make two mice appear first? If she was going to magic things into existence, why not just start with humans? You can't make something from nothing, Talon. But she did. She made the mice. She could have summoned the mice. You don't know that she created them. She, she could, could have, have summoned, summoned the them. She 
did not though because that would not be dramatic and that's also not how the story goes okay so then (laughs) cinderella plugs (laughs) in this big pumpkin it is a big pumpkin oh this is a pump this is a one the county fair size pumpkin if this was a real pumpkin it would weigh over 300 pounds but she does it she just hauls it in just puts it on the table and then the fairy godmother makes it be big and it, it was already big to begin with, so now it is upsettingly big. It's about eight feet tall at this point. It's taller than everybody else. It's a really big pumpkin cutout. And then one more just click, and it becomes a carriage. The carriage is ornate. halfway out of the screen. It's very <laughs> ornate. It's very, it's clearly a real carriage. Half, or, half is oh. generous. I would say this is the back quarter of a carriage. It is the suggestion that there is a carriage that exists somewhere. It's the back part of a carriage. It's definitely a carriage. It's definitely ornate. The carriage is physically inside the set of the Cinderella house. I wasn't going to address that until later, but yes, it's physically in her living room. Yeah, they haven't gone outside for any of this. No, there's not an outdoor shot yet. It's fine. fine. It's fine. So then we have the Cinderella transformation. And the same thing happens. The fairy godmother gestures with her big staff at Cinderella. And Cinderella is transformed into just such a pretty dress. Okay, when we say transformed, is she standing in like a frozen pose? And in one moment, it's one dress. And then the next moment, it's a different dress. She doesn't twirl. Nothing happens. It just blinks into existence. And she seems very surprised by it, as as was I. As I imagine the audience was as well, because again, <laughs> this was in 1899. 1899. Those 18- people had no idea what they were looking at. It was magic. The, the creator of this, Melier, was actually an illusionist as well. So as far as they were concerned, this was literal witchcraft. That explains so much. Okay, let me describe her gown and hairstyle real quick, because I loved it. She is wearing a beautiful Gibson girl hairstyle mm-hmm. with, it occurs to me that while I know intimately what that is, that might not be a familiar term for everyone. I only know it from art school because of the Gibson girl advertisements. Yeah, that's fair. It's, it's a poofy hairstyle with a tight bun on the top of the hair. So you wind up with this almost hat-like arrangement of hair, but it is genuinely lovely. It's, it's full, it's feminine, it's and you can have one loose curl kind you of can have lo- out behind yes. it. Little loose curls. It's great for putting hats on, just, you know, mechanically, because you can put a hat on and then stick a big hat through and put through your bun. You're not going to stab yourself in the head. <laughs> so her dress is lovely. It's a very, again, late 1890s kind of gown. So it's frilly sleeves and sort of looser through the bodice, but sort of cinched tighter at the waist. It looks like it would be comfortable. Those dresses are not comfortable. They look like they would be comfortable. They're not. Those are the most uncomfortable corsets that have ever existed in the history of the world. And a straight skirt with a bustle and a little train and it's got little frills on it and it was gorgeous. And she walks into the coach and takes a while arranging her skirts about her and then sits down and then the coach, as we discussed previously, (laughs) just rolls off the screen. (laughs) And then it stops and kind of rocks back so that the fairy godmother can point very menacingly at the clock. Extremely menacingly. Extreme menace. 
and she just stands statuesque with her finger pointing at it like very accusatory. Talon, how does the fairy godmother leave the scene? Please tell me. Okay, so the fairy godmother starts slowly sinking into the floor like she's going down an elevator. And then when she's gone, the hole in the floor, which is like a square hole, starts to close. Also, like the doors of an elevator, and then just disappears. It's from a trap the door. Floor. It's a trap door in a stage. She just descends in a trap door. It's a visible trap door. It's but it disappears. It's very it was upsetting. I was upset in my notes. I was amused. My notes were that's awesome. I thought they did that with stop motion. An actual trap door makes a lot more sense. I think it was a trap door that just opens and she just steps down into it and there's a sinky thing or she lowers herself delicately and then just they close the door. Okay, you know like how horror movies are better on VHS because it's harder to see what's happening and so the illusion is more... Yes. You believe it. Yeah. Uh, rather than seeing something in high definition and then you can see all the flaws. I think that just worked on me and the illusion of her going down the trap door. I just experienced <laughs> the way that like a farmer in the the early 1900s would have experienced it. Yeah. I, I saw the trap door and it, it made me happy. <laughs> so the next scene opens on the ball. Talon, it's can you ball. describe the ball? It's very fancy. It's a ball. There's like people dressed what looks to me like vaguely French court dress. I have three musketeersy. Yeah, there's it's, something. There's tricorns and yeah. bloomers that are flowy to the knees and they have stockings that go up and there's frilly lace and the prince has long hair, sort of curly long hair and a little goatee. It, it looks like the Three Musketeers. It's set in the Three Musketeers. The women's actually... clothes are all 1890s. I want to be clear, but the men's clothes are solidly in the 1600s. So okay, throwing that out so... there. For all of you trying to picture the prince, think like Leonardo DiCaprio in The Man in the Iron Mask if he grew a goatee, but very grainy and from a long time ago. <laughs> yeah, so normally we would try to describe what they look like more, but again, I would like to emphasize this is from 1899, and so their faces are not clear. They're definitely faces, but, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I 100% agree that we saw faces. But you couldn't describe them. It's very much, I don't know, he looks sort of normal. Oh, yes. Uh, when I said picture, I meant imagine. Yes, there's, there are no close-ups, so we don't ever see anybody's face. Like, close I think the person whose face we see the most clearly is the fairy godmother, because she's the only one who just straight-up faces the camera. So all of this stuff is happening, um, and Cinderella arrives. She, the, the room sort of pauses and separates for her. She curtsies to the room? Yes. The king, which, who I originally thought was the prince, but you can tell he's the king because he has a bigger crown. Yes, and the prince had a smaller chair that he was sitting on. Yes, so the king greets her and holds out his hand, and she bows over his hand again. Oh, I thought she was full-on kissing his hand. Or kissing his hand. It's unclear. She kneels and his hand is close to her face. The prince and Cinderella then have a dance. And it is a very 
slow step kick step kick promenade twirl kind of dance it looks if anybody is a folk dancer out there it looks sort of like a hombo done extremely slowly okay but i can't i'm sorry i can't just sit here and talk about the way that they're dancing when in the next second a man jumps out of the big ornate clock and he's holding the clock face above his head and he's got a beard and his knees are like bent and he kind of menacingly hops around just taunting you shaking the clock above his head and then and then he takes the clock and he turns it sideways and he looks like he's about to ride it like a unicycle and then he kind of slides on forward and disappears in the plus in a puff of smoke and you want to talk about how they're dancing i would like to point out that the genie of the clock if you will give him his rightful name is george melier that was the director having fun it was an assault it was surprising i would like to i didn't copy them down verbatim but our notes from this moment went (laughs) what clock clock what what clock what man Uh, clock man happening clock what that is literally our notes word for word (laughs) (laughs) what happens next is the fairy godmother appears and transforms her back into her rags in the middle of the ball which i thought was really rude yeah she kind of so she appears and she sort of directs cinderella to go and she kind of starts running away from the prince and then she turns into rags in front of everybody and the godmother's like actively pointing her staff at her like she did it even though cinderella was leaving rude and then all of the rich people proceed to gently beat her until she flees they circle up around her it's very kind of pulling oh, at her, touching her. Oh, it's un- it made me uncomfortable. I didn't like Ooh. it. It was very, it was very bully mob playground unpleasant. I did not like that. Um, so she runs out and the prince is standing there and just kind of picks up a shoe, which is right next to him for whatever reason, and then runs after her. And then everyone else just keeps dancing. They just, the dancing starts up again and then the scene ends. And this is the next scene is why I did not go into such a fuss about the clock goblin because we open on the next scene Cinderella opens her door and races into her room and hurls herself to the table and begins to cry we can go over this in more detail but I would really like to just read from my notes for a second big grandfather clock moves towards her climbs onto chair then table goblin jumps out of clock Two more women, then two more women climb out of clock. Now they're all holding clocks and swaying. No, they're all physically different clocks bouncing. Cinderella is running around, grasping her head. Okay, they're people again. No, they're all one clock. No, the goblin man is the hand. Hard cut. That's incredibly similar to what I had. (laughs) Except mine was in all caps. (laughs) So Cinderella's home. She runs in, collapses onto a table, crying in all caps here. The grandfather clock in the corner begins to move slowly towards her, off into a chair, then onto the table. <laughs> Cinderella backs away. Clockman jumps out again, this time bearded, and hitting a chime aggressively in her direction. <laughs> a whole mallet thing. <laughs> so, yeah, all these people start coming out from behind the clock, and it's like a clown car of just people coming out of the clock. And, you know, they start out looking 
as normal as weird people that came out from behind a clock can look. They're just in dancing outfits it and everything's sort of, fine. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they're holding clocks and the clocks like are all big midnight. clock faces above their heads and they're doing like a whole dance with them like they're yeah. doing like a they, TikTok motion. And then they literally just all become clocks just from one scene, from like, one eye blink to another. They're all just different types of very fancy, ornate, Rococo mantle clocks. Mantle clocks. They're beautiful clocks. And this effect was not achieved with like toys or cutouts. This is like physically in the same space where they were standing, and they look very believably human sized. I think that they were just big clock cutouts that those people were behind bouncing them. I, I completely don't... believe that they fully inhabited physical clocks. And Cinderella is racing around, clasping her hands to her breast in horror and pressing her heels to her temples as though that's gonna help her in some way. She runs from the right side of the screen to the left side of the screen, and then mm -hmm. from the left side to the right, and then from <laughs> the right back to the left. She crisscrosses multiple times, just one hand on her forehead, Yep. the other thrown back behind her. Because she has surely gone mad. To be fair, Talon, if you experience that. Oh no, 100%. Her reaction is correct. Yes, I would just call 911 and check myself into one of those overnight rehab places. So Cinderella is running back and forth like this. And then the clocks become dancing girls again. And you think I'm safe. The horror has ended. It has not. But it has not ended. The horror is not over. But what happens is they gather into a group, and you think they're just going to do a pose or something. You do. But no, no, they morph into a giant clock face that takes up the entire room, mm -hmm. like some sort of transformer. And then... And then you think, surely I'm safe. Surely this is done now. But it's not. Tell them what happens. What changes with the clock? To the wound. The clock man returns to mock you. He does. He's wiggling on his back in the center of the vertical clock, just his little legs like moving at you. Ooh. It's, so he takes the place of the clock hands. And Is that what that was supposed to evoke? Yes, so he's, he's positioned in the middle of this giant clock face as though he were the hands of the clock. However, he's not doing a arms are the minute hand and legs are the hour hand or anything. I was he's moving say, like He's moving Olivia, like he has four limbs, and traditionally clocks only have two. Traditionally, clock hands also don't move like spastic babies, but this man defies expectations and moves like a. You ever watch a really active baby that just can't actually roll over yet or do anything, but its limbs are just flailing, just trying real hard? That. It's that, but it's an old guy in a beard hanging on a clock. And then again, the hardest cut I've ever seen. Just a hard cut. Well, they didn't. It was 1899. There it was really hard to do special been, effects. There could have been another few frames. It could have cut to black and then cut to the other room, but it does not. It cuts directly back to the same room later that tomorrow, I guess? No, no. She had, like, cried herself to sleep, and she's being woken up, and this whole thing was just a fever dream. So the next scene opens with her stepsisters having her answer the door. 
there's two of them. I assume they're stepsisters. It could be a stepmother, stepsister. I assume there, it was a stepmother and a stepsister. Yeah, there's no, again, we don't see their faces. There is no way to distinguish them from one another. Nope. So the step family, let's go with, uh, have Cinderella open the door. And the prince is there by himself trying shoes on people. Like a, like a traveling salesman. <laughs> and the, he goes naturally to the beautiful, well-dressed women who, again, are wearing very lovely gowns. Uh, the gowns were lovely. Cinderella is in the corner clasping her hands very theatrically. I, I liked it. I liked the very just, <laughs> oh, I'm in my corner. I loved it. You, you do get a lot of that sort of, that kind of overacting in silent films. To be and fair, the early silent films, the only actors they had to choose from were stage actors who had only ever done stage acting. And if you're acting on a stage, the people in the cheap seats need to see what you're doing. So you have to be a little bit, wow, about everything. <laughs> that sure was a description. <laughs> I can't uh, express to you how fast my sanity is fleeing my body. Like we have to, we have to keep on point. Otherwise, okay. I'm gonna go in crazy. Wait, I have one more thing to say. Um, so, in regards to the casting, the cast is like largely unknown. They they know some of the people in it, um, but it had like a crazy amount of extras to the point where apparently Millier. Uh, created the position of chief extra, who was just in charge of all the other extras. That's awesome. There is also a, a herald at the end that is also George Millier. Anyways, so uh, we're in the, the shoe trying on scene. Talon, do you want to talk about the shoe trying on scene? I would love to talk about the shoe trying on scene. So the prince tries the shoes on to the step ladies. Um, <laughs> I'm calling them and, step forever. <laughs> and it doesn't work. So then he comes up to Cinderella. He gets her a chair, tries the shoe on her. It fits, and he jumps up, kind of like looking both surprised and excited that it's her. But he's seen her in her rags already. Yeah, that was an interesting dichotomy. That so he's seen her. He's seen her. This is zero disguise. No disguise whatsoever. He seems whatsoever. very surprised. Pleasantly surprised, but very surprised. Okay, so Cinderella kind of like walks back and falls onto her knees with her arms like raised to the sky. And the fairy godmother appears right where Cinderella was sort of pointing at. On the table. On the table. She appears as if on the summoned table. Yes. Somehow. Um, she walks down the steps, which have been left by the table. Everyone and has staircases by their table, Talon. That's, that's very normal. <laughs> Tables come with staircases. So she sort of gestures at Cinderella and her dress transforms. And in that cutscene, while the dress is switching from one dress to another, the fairy godmother disappears and we don't see her again. We don't. She's gone forever. She, she bamfed. So the prince and Cinderella walk out together and the stepladies are just sort of dismayed. They... I couldn't tell if they were waving goodbye or holding their hands out in a sort of, oh, don't go or take us with you. It, they're, they're making gestures is all I can say. They're gesturing. They sure are. We then have a very powerful dissolved transition to the wedding procession. It looks like someone made a weave of the 
actual film where they cut a couple of frames in horizontal lines and a couple in vertical lines and then just overlap them together like it was a lattice pie and Think that's how we get early powerpoint transitions but done by hand very pixelated it was i imagine it must have been absolutely stunning for audiences it was it was a strong dissolve is what it was it was very dissolvy you you could get rid of a body in that dissolve <laughs> So, Liv, could you um, describe for us how the next scene begins? <laughs> so, it begins with a wedding procession. There are a lot of people who I assume are youths because they are wearing below-knee-length skirts and quite short shorts, actually, you know, mid-thigh-length tight shorts. And there's a procession of rich people. The prince and Cinderella come. She's wearing a, a veil that trails and then and a lot all... of other people come that are rich there are also two soldiers who are wearing full-on armor and helmets but they're wearing shorts and they're all walking across the screen into this very like ornate door that we see at the very corner of the yes. frame and it's clearly supposed to be the church yes and so they're all walking in and you think that ah yes this must be the wedding and the camera will follow them into the church and we will see a wedding scene but no dear listeners we do not that's not what happens we much like the youths in the short shorts are not led into the church we and are not we stay pretty. outside we are not and then we just that. watch them dance they i would like to talk about this dance one, the herald goes in last. The herald, again, is George Millier. And he sort of waves them with his staff that he has now in a sort of go play, children, type way. <laughs> they then form a, they partner up and form a circle and again do a step, kick, hop, step, kick, hop, twirl, 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 kind of. Again, it's like a humbo, but they don't go into the actual couple part i know this is just me i'm so sorry in my notes i have literally word for word they do very normal dancing in like couples <laughs> they do not do that that is not what <laughs> compared happens. to what we've seen that is very normal dancing i no, i disagree i think okay. that there, is, there are much more normal dance scenes that happen than this one and then a ballerina appears in the middle of them. And you think maybe it's Cinderella, but it is not Cinderella. It's no, just a it's, fancy ballerina. And to be fair, she does not appear just from one frame to another. She does genuinely enter the scene from behind everybody else. Just, she does enter. I, I want to, I feel she like She does to be enter, fair. but her appearance is still rather sudden. It is rather sudden. So then she proceeds to do very, I would go with traditional plie, up, down, we're watching a ballet now is what's well, happening it's, it's her being a ballet everyone else behind her is doing a conga line just a no not a conga kick. line they're doing like a kick, a line? kick line yes a kick they're line doing i'm sorry can can but they're in a circle so they're in a a semicircle around her doing a kick line and she is doing ballet stuff at some point we had been watching cinderella and now we're just watching whatever this is yeah and nobody so, warned us so then they freeze into a pose and you think that's normal too you think maybe this is like where it ends and they're just frozen and that's 
maybe we're done now. People do that. But no, the the background, the set literally pulls away in pieces. It like comes apart. It's very cool, actually. It is cool. And then what when we watch this at normal speed, it looks like they appear that there's just a painting of more dancers behind them, and then the movie's over. But watching it on slow speed, what I believe happens is they pull away the background. The whole cast is behind them because I saw Cinderella. Yes. And the prince. And mm-hmm. Cinderella and the whole, it's basically a whole cast end of show thing where the whole full cast goes on the stage to take a final bow. And they all sort of hold up a hand in sort of a what ho kind of way <laughs> for one single frame and then we're done. Yes. And this frame, by the way, is very pyramid shaped. Yes. With, um, them at different height tiers and Cinderella and the prince are like the second from the top tier and then above them is who I believe must be the fairy godmother with a sun behind her head as if she is God coordinating this yes so that's that's what happened in this that's what we watched that's what we just watched again this was like five and a half minutes yeah it was, it went very fast. And it did. It did. Then I had to rewatch it at a quarter speed. Yeah. So, Talon, what were your highs and lows? Oh my God. How could you even ask me this question? Because I have no idea what the answer could possibly be. Okay. Um, my high and my low is the same, it's the same moment. It's when the clock man appeared for the first time, the clock genie. He, okay. he jumped out, and it was both the best and the worst thing that had ever happened to me. <laughs> That's awesome. What are your highs and lows? My high point was Cinderella's transformation. Her dress and hair were really, really pretty. I personally absolutely adore the Gibson girl style. I loved that period of costume. They did it really well. It's gorgeous. And it's a really striking transition from her in this blousy white shirt, black skirt with literal just random white patches shown on and very, she has very curly, thick sort of wavy hair. And it's just, someone has taken a brush to it like a madman and it's just triangly and scraggly and out there. And so this transition to incredibly beautiful hair and dress. I, I loved her hair and gown. I thought it was excellent. Oh, I did and like it a lot. My low point would be the clocks. The, not Which the ones? first time. The, the, the dancing ones. This, oh, The yeah. multiple clocks, the many clocks that dance and appear and climb and follow you onto a table and become other people and then become the same clock and then other clocks and then the same clock. I couldn't with the clocks. Say clock again clock (laughs) so what would you change about this movie i just why was the first half so fast-paced and why was the second half an unrelated ballet dance number outside of the church why did that happen i wish that i had answers for you truly i do i would answer this question if i could 
so that would be the thing that I would change. Like, it's just basic pacing. Like, come on, Mr. Millier, father of modern cinematography, get it together. Yeah, inspire of Cecil B. DeMille. What are you doing (laughs) up your game, man? What about you? What would you change? I would just make it be at half speed. Just, (laughs) Just play the whole thing at half speed. It's not like the motions are any slower or that it feels silly or stilted in some way it's just it goes so fast it it's almost at a breakneck speed and watching it at half speed made it genuinely much more enjoyable and you could also like appreciate all of the artistry you could because the backdrops were beautiful the sets and costumes were beautiful the transitions and special effects were unique and <laughs> extremely daring. Creative. So what final grade would you give this movie? I don't think this movie exists on the same plane as grades, but I know we like committed to this. We did. I would give it a B plus. It just, it's really good and really interesting. And yet I can't, I don't know that it's like a movie, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I can't disagree with that. Yeah, I'm really having a hard time giving this one a letter grade because on one hand, this is groundbreaking, incredible cinema from 120 years no, ago. No, I think, uh, yeah, 120, wow. It's Let's so, not do math on this podcast ever. No, no math, this is a no math podcast. So on one hand, a plus cinema breaking ground this is phenomenal on the other hand b minus c plus on being a movie (laughs) on being a movie that i could follow and 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 i love old movies i love old films i grew up with betty boop guys i think if it just existed at half speed i would give it a b as it is i think i have to give it a b minus just because it's such a breakneck speed it's I got whiplash watching it. I got sanity whiplash. Is that a thing? I think it is now. I think people should watch this because I don't want to be the the only people who have watched this, you know? I feel like my reality has been altered and I'm living a different life from everybody else now. Agreed. It's five minutes. It's five minutes. It's on YouTube. It's an experience. It it is genuinely very enjoyable. It is. but the clocks bit is a little i'm i'm a little traumatized by the clock bit but yeah it's it's 5 minutes it is genuinely gorgeous it is a masterpiece of extremely early cinema that wound up influencing a lot of really really influential filmmakers who we now think of as being the first filmmakers but no it was this dude it was George Millier Millier George 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 Millier Cendrillon. Yes. Well, it's almost midnight, so thanks for joining us. If you like this episode, please leave us a rating or a review. We'd love to hear from you, so follow us at CinderPod on Twitter and Instagram, like our Facebook page, or email us at thecinderellapodcast at gmail.com. If you want bibbity-bobbity bonus episodes or to hear us discuss this week's Cinderella again, but with more adult beverages and less filters... In the Ever After Party, please support us at patreon.com slash cinderpod. Our intro music is Bad Ideas by Kevin McLeod. You can find him at acopatech.com. 
until next week, we hope you have a happily ever after.